Welcome to the Wedlake Bell Legal Podcast, covering a range of legal topics, including updates from our four practice groups private client, real estate, business services, and dispute resolution. Hi, my name is Suzanne Gill, and in this issue of the podcast, we're discussing some of the interesting articles in January's Quarterly in Advance, the magazine from our real estate team. I'm joined today by Natalie Pelagos from our construction team. Hello, Suzanne. Very pleased to join you today to discuss this collection of topical articles. Lots of our clients are extending existing leases for a year or two and assume that this is a really easy thing to do. Well, it's certainly less legal work than moving somewhere new, but there are still some traps for the unwary. Tenants might find they've signed something that gives them an unexpected and unnecessarily large SDLT bill, and landlords might inadvertently give a tenant security of tenure. Our resident agony uncle Ben Dunbar's piece highlights the key pitfalls to avoid. That's very useful guidance from Ben there. Natalie, you wrote a very timely piece about the building safety bill in our third article, Yes, that's right, Suzanne. There are clearly huge implications post-Grenfell, and in my article, I consider the changes proposed in the Building Safety Bill and the impact these will have. We're closely watching the bill's passage through Parliament. In the article, I discuss the bill's proposed extension to the limitation period for claims under the Defective Premises Act and the extension of the scope for claims to cover refurbished dwellings. Under the Act, persons who take on work for or in connection with the provision of a dwelling owe certain duties to persons who acquire an interest in the dwelling to see that the dwelling will be fit for habitation when completed. At the moment, claims can only be brought within six years from the breach of this duty, but the proposal is to extend this to 15 years. I also discuss the proposed changes in relation to the service charges that can be levied in respect of remediation work costs. The proposal is that the costs won't be able to be passed on unless the building owner can prove they have taken reasonable steps to obtain other forms of funding. Press coverage of this topic tends to focus on leaseholders, but it's so relevant to our house builder and developer clients. Totally agree, Suzanne. All parts of the industry need to be aware of these changes. In our next article, Stephanie Sanderson, a trainee in our real estate team, talks about the importance of know-your-client checks in relation to property transactions, specifically the obligation to identify and verify the client and beneficial owners exercising ultimate control over the management of a company or who own more than 25% of the shares or voting rights. It's critical to understand where the money is coming from and request supporting evidence to confirm the information provided by the parties as to the source of funds for the transaction. Stephanie also highlights that while information at Companies House may be a useful starting point, it should not be relied upon and up-to-date information is needed on these matters. There can be issues determining the ultimate beneficial owner when dealing with a complex ownership structure or where the client is based in an offshore jurisdiction. Thanks, Natalie. Agents often assume that we lawyers can provide all the details. Though we can try to help, we probably won't have information on the counterparty. The pandemic has prompted many businesses to pivot to new ways of working and to offering new services. Lots of cafes are now doing more takeaways and many local stores have started home delivery, for example. This might mean the use clause in their lease needs to change. That's relatively easy on its own, but have you ever wondered what changing one clause will do to the rest of the lease? 
Barnaby Heap was worried about this so you don't have to, and his article takes us through the impact of rent reviews, alteration rights and the assignment clause. The RICS Code of Practice on Commercial Leases suggests a wide-use clause, which should work well for a landlord on rent review, but if significant alterations are needed, such flexibility might be more problematic. That's really interesting, Suzanne. I guess we will only see more change of use as the effects of the pandemic continue to unfold and businesses adapt. Next up, our new Head of Trademarks, Charlotte Wilding, gives her tips for protecting intellectual property rights and domain names in real estate transactions. Charlotte also gives a useful summary of what works might be copyrighted in a real estate context. Did you know you can trademark a building's name? For example, Charlotte talks about the shard, the cheese grater and the gherkin, all of which are trademarked. The owners of these marks have a valuable asset which can add significant value to the balance sheet. We go from some of the biggest buildings in London in Charlotte's piece to a very small blocked drain in Ankita Sadahev's article. The blocked drain meant that the tenant's premises were unusable. But curiously, the wording of that particular lease meant the landlord wasn't obliged to clear the drains. They could do and they could charge if they did, but the damage also wasn't covered by insurance. Sometimes in the urge to control costs, service charge obligations can be cut back too far. And the Stonecrest Marble case, which Ankita writes about, is an example of how that can have real consequences for the tenant. An interesting case, Suzanne. As always, the court's showing they can only interpret what the parties have agreed rather than decide what is fair. Following COP26, in our next article, Alex Beach looks at the recently published government consultation on heat network zoning. Alex explains that a heat network involves heat generated from a central location being distributed to various consumers via insulated underground pipes. The networks are designed to utilise large-scale renewable heat sources, such as industrial waste heat and heat from rivers and mines. This has advantages in terms of cost and environmental impact, as opposed to everyone having their own boiler. This will facilitate the decarbonising of heating if it goes ahead. It has been estimated that heat networks could increase from providing approximately 3% of the heat demand to 18% by 2050. Alex explains that the proposal is that heat network zoning will become a national government-run scheme, mapping the intended locations and drawing out a standardised methodology for their implementation. It will then fall to the local authorities to refine each network within their area. One of my clients is very keen to cut its carbon footprint, so I can see they'd use a heat network zone to help them refine their property searches. That's interesting, Suzanne, and you can see the attraction of heat network zoning, given the potential energy efficiencies and cost savings available. In our next article, Anna Trafford looks at what to do when a tenant leaves belongings in a property at the end of a tenancy. Due to a legal concept called bailment, In the absence of express terms confirming how the tenant's goods will be dealt with following the lease's termination, when a landlord comes into the possession of the goods belonging to the tenant, an involuntary relationship called bailment arises. The bailor, i.e. the tenant, retains ownership of the goods, while the bailee, i.e. the landlord, assumes responsibility for the goods' safekeeping. Breaching these obligations, for example by disposing of goods that are not abandoned, 
may give rise to a claim in the tenant's favour. Anna gives some practical guidance as to how to deal with this situation. Most well-drafted leases do deal with this issue, fortunately, but as you say, if there isn't a clause covering the points, the landlord can't simply throw everything into a skip and be done with it. Harriet Forster has written a very clear article about ransom strips. We often ask clients to check boundaries on site visits, and there are some handy pointers about what people should be looking for. What was that rather potholed area at the entrance to an otherwise well-maintained industrial estate? And what was that rather gravelly bit by the field gate where you parked for your site visit? Obviously, we, the lawyers, will do searches, but it comes as a surprise to many people when we tell them land registry plans are for identification purposes only and are not definitive. Our clients do normally know that a ransom strip or unclear ownership is bad news. Harriet also goes through some potential solutions and the challenges entailed with the various possibilities. Again on the COP26 theme, my teammate Morgan James talks about how contract drafting can be climate conscious and why this is important. Green provisions can be included in contracts. For example, parties may choose to agree contractual provisions to ensure that a development achieves net zero carbon emissions or adopts sustainable on-site working practices. Traditional contractual mechanisms, including liquidated damages and retentions, could even be used to incentivise parties to comply with such requirements. Contractual provisions are obviously not a golden bullet here to solve the dilemma of climate change. However, as Morgan highlights, and not surprisingly, we are seeing more interest in them, so don't get left behind. Banks are also offering different finance rates for greener developments and portfolios, so maybe the monetary implications will be persuasive. Each of the articles that Natalie and I have discussed today is available in full on the Wedlake Bell website, or should be in your inbox if you subscribe to Quarterly in Advance, our regular magazine for the real estate world. Hopefully this podcast has inspired you to track them down. And thank you for listening. You just listened to the Wedlake Bell Legal Podcast. If you liked our episode and want to know more, then check out our website, www.wedlakebell.com. Wedlake Bell. Building relationships is at the heart of everything we do.